And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome in to Onto Waveland, Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, fresh off a pretty... You know, you don't want to put too much into any one win, but I feel like so last night Cubs uh, had the the dreaded it's now dreaded three zero lead. Uh, I believe that's the <laughs> fourth time this year they've had a three zero lead that has uh, vanished. But I believe they've now won two of those. They've only actually lost two of them. But uh, yeah, lead evaporated, and ultimately the Cubs won it in extra innings. First extra innings game of the year for the Cubs. Is that right? I think so. It felt like it. I remember thinking because yeah. I was surprised by the man on second. I almost forgot that he was there. I was yeah, like, what's, what's going on? Thank you for not calling it a ghost runner. It is an <laughs> actual human runner. That yeah, I, I'm like rebelling so hard against You're that. You're very upset about this. I've noticed. Yeah, it, bo- it bothers me so much. Do you know why? Too? There's two reasons. There's two reasons it bothers me so much. One is just from a pure nomenclature standpoint. It doesn't make any sense because, of course, we all know as playing as kids, the ghost runner is an imaginary runner where you have to be like, yeah, there's a guy on second, even though there's nobody there. Well, that's not what this is. So it just doesn't make sense. And then two, it is clearly used as a pejorative by people who don't like this rule where they're like, oh, well, look at the ghost runner. And so that bothers me as well, because I like this rule. I was I was someone who hated it when it was first introduced. I, I, I never forget. It first came up as like a yeah, they're going to try it out in the um, some all-star game in the minor leagues and then the Arizona Fall League. And this was like seven years ago. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing. If they ever bring this to the major leagues, I'm going to just, you know, poop my pants with anger. And of course, then when we actually saw it playing out, in my view, at least, uh, I hated it much less than I thought I would. And indeed, the way that it spurs immediate activity uh, is, I think, delightful. And it isn't just a cascade of sacrifice bunts and sacrifice flies, which is what I thought it would be. And it's not. So... Anyway, how did, how did, what what are we doing here? What, how did we, you, you, you set, I, sorry, I, either sorry. I set myself I off. Or, <laughs> but anyway. You take a 20 so, second time out, Brett. I know. Just kinda, I'm uh, like, and then, you know, we could tell our producer, uh, our wonderful producer, Michael, just to, you know, like crop out the 20 seconds where I'm taking deep breaths and, uh, you know, gathering myself on the mound. Uh, no, we have a, we have a pitch clock here on this podcast. So I got to get, I got to get to it. Another rule. That is great and good, and I don't want to hear anybody bitching about. Oh my gosh, I'm not even like. I feel like I have become this uh, defender of all things rule change oriented. Not because like it's not because I feel like I owe some duty to MLB to be like, yes, I agree, I agree. 
they're just coming up with good shit. And by the way, Cubs fans, almost all of these are coming under the push of Theo Epstein. So if you were like a big Theo Epstein fan, this is what he sees as the future for the game. Just saying, all right, I need another 20. I need another 20. <laughs> I'm just glad that Sahade, yeah. you, you'd forgotten about the uh, not ghost runner rule too. Cause I, I watched it last night and I don't know, these last couple of seasons have just felt so made up. Like, like, you know, the se- I love the seven <laughs> so inning true. double headers. And then after that first rainer, they're like, you know, that's going to be, you know, like two nine in games on Memorial <laughs> day. I was like, Oh, and then <laughs> watching it last night, you know, and you know, this slap together spring training, like, I mean, why not just put a, put a runner on second. You know, every <laughs> that is a, See I mean, that is a good reminder, by the way, like with with the slap together spring training, this is the third straight year that does have a bit of a ah, it's not quite yeah, it's not quite we'll see right what happens. Feeling. Yeah. 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 Uh, OK, so let's actually get into some uh, little more cub focused uh, content here. Uh, I think maybe we'll start with the fact that that game went to extra innings. Uh, in part because Michael Givens had maybe arguably his first kind of really rough outing for the Cubs, even after, you know, kicking off his inning strong and then hits fell in and ended up giving up up the game there. But by and large, once again, Cubs bullpen was kind of ridiculous in that game. And they've had to cover a lot of innings already this year in part because of that slapped together spring training. See, all of this is connected. We know what we're doing. We are pros over here at Onto Waveland. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, but I think that it's worth a moment now to to say, because even in the, the series opening loss, bullpen was great again. Keegan Thompson gave up his first run of the year. Well, that's pretty good news when it comes on April 27th, if you're giving up your first run of the year. Uh, we say it, we said it in spring training. We say it, I feel like every year, the Cubs find a way to put together a quality bullpen. It's just what they do. And so I have found myself hand waving off any concerns before the season about like, Oh, I don't know how this mix of arms is going to look. I'm a little worried. They didn't go get a surefire guy. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but it's always fine. It's always fine. My question for you guys is, is that still the way we're going to be talking about this in a couple months? Or have the Cubs figured out a way to arrive there even more quickly? Like, uh, would we say what they are doing right now in the bullpen, which is it's a top five bullpen in baseball. uh, All of the veteran additions have worked out very well, are pitching very well with the I mean, the only exception was Jesse Chavez and the Cubs traded him. So um, that, yeah, I'm just curious, like, is this just a small sample artifact um, or did the Cubs figure out a, a way to bring along their youngsters, really get maximum contr- contribution out of them and pick the right veterans? Like, are they just getting better at this is what I'm wondering? Because uh, usually we don't see this sort of crystallizing until May, late May. You sort of honor some losses early on as you're figuring out roles. And But I mean, they're kicking ass already and we're only three and a half weeks into the season. Yeah, I I don't know. I That's hard to know, right? Like it. I do think they've they've figured some things out when it comes to the pitching infrastructure, when it comes to uh, developing at least relievers that, you know, that they, they've seemed to figure some things out with pitching development uh, and, and pro scouting obviously deserves some credit here, identifying uh, the right relievers to target. Uh, so, so it's a combination of all of that. I, 
I do wonder, and and it's hard. There's not enough evidence here to really dig into. We probably need multiple more seasons to know. But is David Ross better at figuring this out in the spring than Joe Madden was? Right? Is he? Does he have? Uh, does he have a way of figuring this out that that's a little stronger? And he knows this guy's looking really good. I'm trusting this guy. I'm putting. The, I'm slotting these three guys. Maybe he's just been given better uh, relief talent uh, the last few years right out of the gate. Maybe that's the maybe it's that combination of what I was talking about. They're, they're developing pitchers better now at the major league level with the structure around Tommy Hadovy and and uh, around Craig Breslow and the minors. Maybe that is the main contributor here. And, and Ross is just put in a better situation. But it is happening earlier. They seem to be able to find things and settle things by May or June, right? Remember that always would always be, hmm, what do they have here? Who are these guys? Ah, okay, it's clicking. I can see how it works. And then it does eventually work and they get better. Right now, it's like instantly David Robertson looks like a really good reliever. Michael Givens looks great. I mean, even yesterday, I mean, what did Givens give up? Like two uh, shift-based singles, right? And then there was another single in there and a walk like the walks probably the worst thing that he did i don't think there was any hard contact in there after two swinging strikeouts of good players if i remember correctly like didn't he strike out some solid guys it was uh ozuna and darno so yeah i mean yeah i really like this bullpen scott efros how about him he's uh, every single time there is a there are men on base in like the third or fourth or fifth inning it's like you go look at the bullpen. It's like I'm, I'm not sure how much he's actually come in in those situations, but clearly Ross trusts him to come in. If there's one or two outs and there's men on base, Ross is like, go get F Ross up. <laughs> and eventually he'll come in. Sometimes it's just a clean inning if the pitcher that's out there uh, gets out of that jam, but he clearly trusts him. He doesn't walk guys. He strikes guys out. He puts balls on the ground. Like he's a that's a real nice surprise. And then you have obviously other younger guys, uh, other young guys that are flashing uh, well, some can impressive I, outings. Can I slip in a comment sure. on that? What's what's maybe the most impressive thing about Efros? And we don't talk. We, this is probably the first time he's come up on this podcast, which is a bit crazy when you consider the performance. But when we were talking about how the rosters were going to shrink back down in a week and we, you talk about the younger optionable re- relievers, da, da, da. Well, Efros is a younger optionable reliever. He's got options. His name doesn't even come up because we've already settled into saying, well, he's not going anywhere because he's like the trusted bridge guy. So there, there's the compliment because he, he's just been that reliable. Yeah. And I think that's actually the biggest part of it, right? Uh, let's see what they do the rest of the, you know, the next two months as far as the team as a whole. But the safe bet is that David Robertson, Michael Gibbons, uh, is there another veteran I'm missing? Well, those two guys, Chris, they Martin. Probably, Chris Martin, Chris Martin, uh, they probably are in Cubs in 2023, right? Uh, like, I, I'm not exactly 100% sure what each one in of their 2023, they're probably not Cubs in August. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Uh, they're they're probably trade bait uh, come July. Uh, Scott F. Ross, Ethan Roberts, even Michael Rucker. I know he probably needs to miss more bats, but he's he's getting outs. Uh, those guys are, are interesting. Rowan Wick, obviously, has been around for a while, feels like a veteran. Uh, but that's how if you can get those guys around too, like it, make sure that they they're figuring things out in this this early part of the season. Maybe they're pieces that you can build a bullpen around. That's more than just, a, you know, a team that you're selling pieces off of. 
I think it's great that they figured it out, but I think we all know that uh, this is not sustainable, <laughs> that, that they're going to be running a huge risk with uh, the way they're potentially using these guys, and the biggest boost for them is going to be Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman and eventually Wade Miley coming back because I think we saw some of that uh, last summer when – Things clapped. Obviously, a lot of it was on the starting pitching, but just that cumulative effect. And, um, you know, the Cubs got to hope that Drew Smiley has a good uh, outing tonight. But, yeah, I think, Brett, you kind of mentioned it last episode and kind of tweeted it during a moment of frustration during the Pirates series. Like, you're not quite there yet to where games should be managed in a way to market and preserve trade deadline assets. But that's kind of where my head goes when we start talking about, you know, Robertson, a guy coming off of uh, Tommy John and uh, some of these older veteran guys who um, obviously Chris Martin got his World Series ring this week. So, you know, he would fit uh, on a contender. And, uh, you know, Gibbons is kind of that eighth inning guy who can also close a bid and will will certainly be uh, attractive if the Cubs don't um, get it together here. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. I think to put a bow on this for now, I will mention that in conjunction, and we talked about this, I think, last episode, in conjunction with the rosters shrinking back down from 28 to 26 on Monday, it was going to be the case that the long-awaited 13-pitcher maximum rule was going to kick in. I didn't, I, I sort of remembered this, but I didn't confirm it till I looked it up. So that rule was created in advance of the 2020 season it was just after the 2019 season there was an agreement to create 13 pitcher maximum rule then the pandemic hit and they were like well we can't do this for the pandemic season and then there were still pandemic related concerns going into 2021 and it was like well we we can't do that for 2021 and then it was like well we've got a shortened spring training because the lockout we we can't do that and they they had a cutoff right it was may may 2nd it was like okay it's gonna kick in and then they're like, well, actually, we we can't do it yet. This was the announcement yesterday. Uh, they're punting it another month that you will be able to carry up to 14 pitchers. Um, when that does eventually happen, this conversation that we're having right now, particularly the point that Mooney made about how sustainable is it to lean this hard on certain guys, that conversation gets harder for the Cubs if they don't have starting pitchers who are going five, six innings consistently because 
Then instead of the nine or 10 relievers that the Cubs have had for years, it'll be just eight, just eight guys. Now you're going to be able to circulate some of them up and down from Iowa, but some of them you won't. And those guys like Robertson and Givens and Martin, who are quality veterans, but who are older and you just have to manage them a little more carefully, that's going to get harder. So this, you know, for as much praise as we would rightly heap on the Cubs and David Ross for the way that they have succeeded much faster with these guys, that's going to get a lot harder pretty soon. So stay tuned. I, my like, this is not this does not need to be answered right now. But I've always wondered this, and I need to just uh, watch more Rays games. I guess is how many can you get away with? How many of those starts can you get away with? One, two, three inning starts, right? If like Mark Leiter works perfectly fine if that's the model you're using, two innings, maybe an out into the third, uh, but and then you go bullpen game, right? Long reliever, like Keegan eats some innings, and then and then go to your best arms. It can work. The Rays have made it work. Is it two guys? Can you do it with two? Is that once you get past two? I mean, two feels like it's pushing it. And then you can't, you're not going to be able to do it with eight in the pen. You can't have a guy. I love this question. I can't wait to talk about this when it comes because you're right. I don't know exactly how the Rays do it. I suspect it's, well, for one thing, their openers shuffle in and out of the bullpen. So that's one part of it because you can't have an opener like, you know, like, like, I think I agree with you. Lighter's best role would seem to be, he can give you two innings, maybe, maybe three if he's very efficient. Um, and it's only one time through the order, but you can't have that guy in your rotation. You can't say we're only going to get two innings per week from one of our 13 arms The just the math on that truly does not work. Yeah. Well, then the, then they have a major problem on their hands. And, yeah. And, you I mean, know, the, the, like I, I love this is um, we were talking off mic uh, before we were recording about how the podcast uh, helps us crystallize a lot of our thoughts that we end up putting into writing. And I've got a, a draft saved about how David Ross, after last night's game, mentioned he actually used the word opener. It was the first time I've heard him use the word opener. And he was describing not how they necessarily intended to use lighter, but how it played out last night and perhaps how he has shown them he would be most effective. And I love that. I love the acknowledgement of it. I love the recognition that like that can be a very effective thing. But when we go down to 13 pitchers maximum, it's just going to have to change. And like and the relationship between what I was saying before and what we've just started talking about now uh, is a really strong one for the Cubs. Because like you said, Zahad, if it's I don't know how you something has to change in a very in a very fundamental way. Um if you've only got a 13 man staff and I think hopefully for the Cubs this year, at least it's Wade Miley coming back. It's Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman more consistently giving you innings. Um, big question, not just with lighter, but what happens with Alec Mills, what happens with Justin Steele? Um, and you know, I, I, we can talk about this if you want. I feel like it's a little early. I saw Gordon Wittenmeyer had written about it. The, conversation about at what point you think about Keegan Thompson for the rotation. Um, I, I'm just hesitant because he's working so well in this, this multi-inning role where he knows, okay, I'm going to go about 50 pitches. I can max out, use everything I've got for those 50 pitches and dominate. We saw it last year with him, different pitcher at that time, as you've written side of the, some fundamental changes to his body and his game, but 
we saw it last year with him when, when he was trying to be more efficient early in starts, he wasn't missing any bats. And that, you know, for some guys it works like Kyle Hendricks is not a bat misser and it, it increases his efficiency because of the contact he induces. I don't know that that's Thompson's game when he's finding bats. I think there's some more hard contact. So, uh, I just think there's, there's a lot of interesting angles to this that I was so ready to dig in on in advance of Monday when it was like, okay, here it is the 13 man staff. I think people are really, and I mean this across baseball, not just Cubs fans, people are really sleeping on the impact that that's going to have. Cause like a team like the Rays, I would bet dollars to donuts that they have not had a 13 man staff for more than a day or two in the last four or five years when they've been doing what they've been doing. Yeah, no, no, you're 100 percent right. It's going to be interesting. And I think it's kind of what Jed and Theo were getting at when they said it's not sustainable for a full year. Uh, I think maybe after the 16 playoffs is when people really started talking about it a lot. Like, can you do something like this, have shorter starts? And and then it, it started happening more often in the playoffs after Cleveland really had an effective postseason. And I remember multiple times, it feels like every like GM or winter meetings would ask Jed about that. It was always Jed, it seemed like, and Jed was like, and, and you could, Theo would talk about it as well, but they were adamant starters. You want innings, inning eaters you, that they're hard to find. That's why, you, you know, you got to pay up for them, but that's what you want. It's really, it's not sustainable to do it over the full 162 games. I think some teams have kind of proven that uh, wrong in a sense. But then again, like you said, Brett, that's not under these current or these soon to be current rules of uh, of 13 man pitching staff. So we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But I don't think like a lighter start works. I do wonder, can you get like Drew Smiley four and a third innings regularly and make that work? Uh but then you need Steele to go five or six, right? Or Smiley needs to go five or six, and then you get four from Steele. But it can't be two innings, right? That that's when it starts. And to you really occasionally got to get like the seven, eight, nine every right. now and again. From but that needs to be like Hendricks and and Stroman and Miley, right? You need to really rely on them getting to six, and then one of them going short throws the whole thing out of rhythm. I mean, this just goes back to the basics, right? I mean, you need certain guys that you can count on like foundation pieces for your roster and that's why you give Marcus Stroman 71 million dollars and why you extend Kyle Hendricks and why you put that Wade Miley waiver claim in and then be like he's in our rotation for 30 starts and just there just is not enough on the front end or the back end to make this at all sustainable particularly given the fact that we all know what Jed is thinking going into this season. I guess we kind of yada yada over the inherent tension in this topic between what a fan of an individual team might want to see, which is for us as Cubs fans, we want to see the Cubs being very successful with, if they go with this bullpen strategy that they've done this year, we love it. It's succeeding. It's great. As contrasted with what MLB at a league wide level wants, which is, more starting pitchers going longer that they that that is what drove this see a lot of what i was getting saucy about at this at the top of this podcast is what has driven the conversation more more recently but in 2019 it was all about how do we counter exactly what Sahadeh was saying that the developments that came after 2016 you could blame andrew miller because he was so good in that multi-inning role that teams suddenly were like wait a minute 
if we got a guy or two like this in our bullpen, uh, we can suddenly completely restructure the way we're thinking about a rotation. And I get that, nothing wrong with teams doing that, but it's the league's responsibility to always be asking itself, is this the most entertaining version of our product? And so I credit them that it didn't take long for them to be like, uh-oh, starting pitchers are getting marginalized big time. And that's not necessarily the most entertaining version of baseball because we like the idea of Max Scherzer. Like we, we just, we like that to say nothing of the, you know, limits on constant switching of pitchers in a game and the drag that that creates. So I think it's, it's good that this conversation is coming back, but the, the very problem that we're talking about, you know, the, the, the problem with, for the Cubs of like, Oh, how do they deal with this? Well, it's it, MLB's response to be tough shit. That's, that's the point, you know, is we want, we don't really care what happens to you in 2022. We want you to be focused on developing long-term starting pitchers. So step up and do it. That by the way, is the response to like, for like all of these rule things. What did I see? It was Jake Arietta was on the compound podcast. I don't know if you guys uh, saw the clip was floating around. I hadn't had a chance to actually listen to the podcast, but it's Ian Happs uh, and, and friends podcast and Arietta. The, the clip they circulated was him talking about banning the shift, which is obviously very much on the table for next year. And, you know, he was saying, you know, ah, but it's, it's, you know, shouldn't hitters be able to adjust? And what does it say about the game if the best hitters can't adjust? And da, 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 he's making all these points and that I know a lot of pitchers will make, right? It, it, it's anti-pitcher <laughs> to ban the shift. But again, MLB's response, if they had their druthers, it would be tough shit. Deal with it. This is the version of the sport that we think is best. You just, you've got to deal with it. That's the pitch clock response. That's, it's, it's the answer to all of these things. Um, and so not that I would want to personally say that to any of these players faces. <laughs> Can you imagine telling Max Scherzer if he's like anti pitch clock? Well, tough shit, Max deal with it. I would not have a face anymore. Yeah, if, that, that wouldn't be that. fun. The pitch clock thing <laughs> is one thing that players that I've discussed and then seen others online talk about our, the injury risk about that. Like there have been studies that, I know it seems minimal, but just like rushing a pitcher to get to throw that next pitch increases but injury risk. But see, even that. So I, I am I'm super sensitive to, to player health. That's not something I want to put at risk. But there's a version of responding to that that is also tough shit, which is, well, you have to develop from the start as a guy who can pitch. And the only reason that being, quote, rushed would risk injury is if a guy has a system in place for him that was taking advantage of the fact that he needed longer to sort of summon it between pitches. Uh, so while at a, again, at a micro level, it could be bad for some guys. And I don't like that. And it's same thing with sticky stuff, right? It was, it created some potential risk for some pitchers. I don't like that, but the answer isn't okay. So we have to keep in place anything that helps protect 5% of the players. Right. No, that's not the answer. Sorry to the 5%. Sorry. Um, so I think yeah. you're being what do you, what do you got too me? rational about this. I just had <laughs> a free programming idea for whether it's marquee or ESPN or MLB network. And to just have like, you know, how like Adam Schefter has like the cam in his house that you just set that up for like john lester and john lackey and you could just get their grumpy responses to any new 
uh, rule change or experimental <laughs> idea. I know Sahadev liked going to them uh, at their lockers, and they were always so good uh, <laughs> to give a a gruff, caustic response to what the suits on Park Avenue were up to. <laughs> and I think it would just be amazing that, like, when people were are trying to discuss these issues, you just have, like, the Lackey cam or the Lester cam, and then they would just, you know, um, trash <laughs> whatever Manfred oh. and friends uh, had up their sleeves. Yeah, I'm just, I think everybody can imagine uh, John Lackey reacting to yes, I can these. picture the dismissive guffaw right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this this ended up going in a delightful direction. I think we're we're actually you know we don't have an official time limit on this podcast, but we sort of have a a ballpark we like to stay in, and we're already there. Didn't didn't even really meander uh, into some of the other stuff we wanted to get into, but I think this ended up being a a nice way to wrap a lot of the league-wide discussions in a conversation about the Cubs and the issues that they have been facing and will be facing. So uh, I can already imagine to our producer, Michael, who, you know, packages these and, and titles them. He's, it, it's going to be tough shit. No, I'm just kidding. He, he won't, uh, <laughs> he will not. And in fact, he, he might, I might even get a, so he would never scold me or admonish me because he's the nicest guy in the world. But I might get a side text from him that's like, hey, um, you know, next time, you know, we're allowed to be explicit, but maybe just fewer, uh, fewer <laughs> shits. Just, you know, let's try to let's try to max out at like six. Um, <laughs> I, we did have we I don't know if I ever told you guys this. And again, this isn't a shot at Michael because he he handled it so professionally. He's so nice about it. But we had a podcast maybe two years ago. And I think I said the F word maybe five to eight times. And <laughs> Jesus, I forget. I don't remember what it was. I must've been, yeah, I must've been really pissed off about something. And, um, he was, he, he was like, he was like, Hey, you know, it's, we're, we're labeled explicit. It's, it's permitted, but you know, cause he had clearly heard from someone. <laughs> someone was like, let's not have quite that many. So I will try folks. I will try to limit my, uh, you know, shit dispersal in the next episode <laughs> Take please that as you will <laughs> this is on to waveland it's the cubs podcast here at the athletic we appreciate you listening as always i'm brett taylor you can catch my stuff at bleacher nation that is sahadif sharm and patrick mooney get their stuff at the athletic including they just dropped a two-part mailbag which i meant to plug earlier in the episode but it's actually perfect to plug at the end because you can stop listening and then go to your device and read this really good stuff from them a lot of this a lot of the topics that you want to hear about want to get their thoughts on they touched on them all so it's it's a really great couple of reads um we will be back at you uh early next week with our next episode and uh hope you have a good one take care out there Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.